Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the best band news show on the internet. Banned as of last week, and we'll be getting into the reasons for that in just a moment. But first, uh, welcome to our co-host, E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars Magazine. Hey, welcome back, Mike. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be back. All right. So yeah, it's a, the E. Mike episodes are uh, the favorites of many of our viewers. Um, so let's get going here with our obligatory disclaimer. So maybe they won't ban us if we explain what's going on here. We are a media criticism show. We focus on the media with the biggest reach, that is big mainstream media, and we question what they tell us. So if you can't handle that, change the channel. And if you think that questioning mainstream media should be uh, illegal or banned, um, you probably work as a YouTube censor. So YouTube censors watching this, please rethink your position. And uh, you might want to turn it off along with all the other blue pill devotees who just can't handle this kind of questioning because it might uncover some very dangerous and unpleasant truths. All right, now that we've been through that, here's our image for today. Uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, uh, shout out to Lawrence, or uh, shall we say, Allah yurhamhu, uh, rajiun. We are from God and to God we return. And Lawrence Ferlinghetti returned to God this week at the ripe old age of 101 after leading a very interesting life, stimulating the rise of the beat movement, running a very cool bookstore in San Francisco where I used to hang out quite a bit. And there he is in front of his bookstore selling banned books back in the 60s and even right up until 9-11. And thereafter, it was okay to try to trumpet information that the authorities didn't like you to be spreading. Now, of course, that's verboten, and we're all uh, running around wearing symbolic gags like the Mona Lisa. Everybody is, even her. Uh, Mike, I know you don't think that culture got that much better in the 1960s. Uh, uh, so do, would you differ with my characterization of Ferlinghetti as a, a very positive cultural figure? No, I, I don't. I think it was a sign of uh, decay, but it was disguised as freedom. The best way to smuggle in moral de degeneracy is to call it freedom because that resonates with most people because they have fallen human nature and they want to do things that they know are, are wrong. So it was, uh, it, it had been taken over. There's a famous photo of uh, all of the original beatniks and Jack Kerouac is there and he's wearing a crucifix, it's visible. He was a Catholic, a French-Canadian Catholic who was serious about his Catholicism, had a bad drinking problem, had a lot of uh, moral vices, but he was serious about being a Catholic. And uh, the picture shows up in uh, some uh, famous thing, and the cross has been uh, photoshopped out of the picture. Now, they didn't oh have Photoshop at that time, but uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying here. And he was outraged. So it was taken over early on. And uh, the man who took it over was Allen Ginsberg, who was uh, Kerouac's friend, but that's that's what it became. It became a movement for uh, moral subversion. When he when it, Kerouac, if you ask him what beat meant, uh, Herb Cain created this term beatnik. He said it meant beat beatitude. It meant being mm. holy. That's what he said. Uh, that got erased from the movement, and it became uh, a, an excuse to overturn the moral order. Yeah, I, I agree. There was a, a longing for uh, religious experience, for a mystical tasting of the closeness and presence of God. You see that in a lot of the writings of these people. And then there was also, I think, a very positive exposure of a certain element of phoniness in mainstream 1950s culture and values. However, <laughs> whether that ended up improving things after the beats and the hippies and so on had trashed all those traditional values, uh, I'm not so sure. So, uh, I think a lot of good stuff came out of the beat movement. Charles Upton became a great Islamic Sufi thinker. A shout out to Charles if you're watching the show. Um, people did find their way through that stuff into something better, just like you and I did, Mike. We we grew up in the counterculture era, and we ended up coming back to traditional religion. Right, right. Yeah, there. That's there's a good documentary called Berkeley in the '60s, and it pretty clearly shows the trajectory here. The beginning, these are all guys who are clean cut, you know, uh, wearing sh short hair, and they're talking about Thomas Aquinas and Thomas Jefferson. By the end of it, it's all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they're talking about, you know, 50 years later, what a great thing it was that we all got addicted to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 
Well, they, their minds had been captured. They didn't even know it. That's the good thing about when you capture someone's mind. They don't even know they've been captured. And that's what happened. And you could get into that whole story of uh, the Grateful Dead who grew out of this uh, era, a generation younger than the Beatniks, but that became a vehicle for distributing LSD. And then you're into MK Ultra and all this other type of stuff. So uh, it's it's not uh, it's it's uh, sad, but but that's what happened. It was I think it, uh, it was a reaction against social engineering. That's mm -hmm. what our generation was talking about, and we got. Uh, collectively got co-opted into another form of it, more sophisticated form. And it may be even a nastier form. I, I agree that the MK Ultra types and the deliberate uh, subversion people took over and drove these countercultural movements towards debauchery and insanity, uh, probably to try to defuse what was positive in them, which would have been, let's say, um, working for uh, for peace and justice and turning the U.S. empire away from this uh, course of, of arrogance and viciousness that it was following. And speaking of the arrogance and viciousness of U.S. empire, how about Bomber Biden? He is now channeling uh, John McCain, apparently, and singing bomb, 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 Syria, bomb, 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 Syria. And he's now let Bonesaw Butcher Bin Salman walk. Uh, so anybody who voted for Biden thinking he was going to be a more reasonable and, and peaceful leader than Trump apparently uh, has already learned that they made a mistake. Yeah, well, look, uh, you would think. Uh, Don, uh, Biden comes in and within minutes of coming into office, he overturns practically everything that Donald Trump did. Well, wait a minute. What about the JCPOA? What about the nuclear deal with Iran? Surely you're going. That was negotiated by Democrats. Your buddy uh, John Curry negotiated that thing. You're going to reinstate that, aren't you? Well, it turns out he's not. Well, why? Well, why? Well, then why are we bombing Syria again? Well, because Joe uh, is uh, is a, a stooge of the oligarchs, and he's he's controlled by the Israel lobby, and that's the uh, and that's so. The more things change, the more they're the same. The the essence of Biden. There, there was a video. He's walking by soldiers, and he says, "Salute soldiers." Well, why did he say that? Because that's what came through his earpiece. He was supposed to go like this, but instead he said, "Salute soldiers." This is Biden. This is the guy. This is the guy you get. He's a mouthpiece for the for the oligarchs who are now back in power. The Hillary Clinton segment back in power. Yep, does look that way. And interestingly, though, the Democrats, uh, people like Nancy Pelosi, are now questioning whether Biden should have the sole finger on the nuclear button. In fact, multiple House Democrats are now pointing out that past presidents have threatened to attack other countries with nuclear weapons. Uh, that's an interesting admission coming from the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, you can read Daniel Ellsberg's book, The Doomsday Machine, for some of the details. U.S. nuclear policy has been insanely reckless, irresponsible, and criminal. We've come very close to aggressive nuclear wars many times. The current posture has been uh, first strike uh, for several decades now. So I guess it's good that the House is questioning the nuclear posture and Biden's uh, single finger that can push the button any time, but I'm not sure that they're really going to meaningfully reform it. No, I think this is a tacit admission, since it's coming from the Democrats, that Biden is non compus mentis, that, that he's in a, a, a state of senility, uh, he's in his dotage, he has to uh, do whatever comes through the earphone. It, 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 there's reason, okay, for them to have this uh, uh, concern. But don't you think it's about Trump too? Don't you think they're kind of indirectly saying, hey, we, we barely survived the era of Trump, and so now let's change things? No, I think that they feel that at least Trump knew, Trump, they didn't agree with what Trump was doing, but I think they knew what he was doing, and they knew that he was not going to go to war with Russia. Everybody knew that. So it wasn't an issue under Trump. But with Biden, you combine, first of all, his completely docile, uh, uh, what I just mentioned, his docility to the Israel lobby, the reigniting of the war in Syria, which Trump tried to wind down. And you put that together with being non corpus mentis and completely unpredictable mentally. And there's a serious danger there. And that's what the, that's what the Democrats are talking mentioning or revealing or spilling the beans about. Well, the empire has been run by criminals and psychopaths for decades, and it's really a miracle and perhaps even proof of existence of God that we haven't blown ourselves up in a nuclear holocaust yet. 
Um, anybody who seriously studies or even studies with modest seriousness, as I have, the history of the nuclear strategy and the near misses uh, is stunned at how close we have come, how many times to nuclear war. And any any odds maker looking back at this would have said the odds of a uh, major nuclear war after World War II would be at least 50% per decade, if not far more than that. So it's, it's a total miracle that we're still here. Uh, speaking of crimes of empire, the next story uh, <laughs> exposes that everything that the U.S. and its allies like the U.K. say about the evil Russians messing with media and, and giving us RT and things like that, playing around with Facebook, everything the Russians do is a tiny fraction of the evil meddling that the U.S. and its allies do. And here they're caught red-handed. BBC and Reuters, two of the biggest Western news organizations, are acting as propaganda cat's paws for Western intelligence, propaganda, and disinformation efforts trying to undermine the Russians. So talk about hypocrisy, this business of Russian meddling. Come on. Well, I, what, what we're seeing here is the demise of mainstream media. There, the, the New York Times had an editorial where uh, urging Biden to point a, re, a point a reality czar. In other words, the government will now tell you what is reality. It's like turn the government into a big one fact check operation so that people pay attention to the New York Times. Pay attention out there. You in the back row, pay attention. This is the New York Times. We are the paper of record. I want you to pay attention to what we're saying. Well, once you have to do that, it means you've lost your audience. And that's that's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. They also published an article last week, I think it was, um, saying that we should no longer use critical thinking to try to figure out what's true. Instead, we should mindlessly accept whatever the authorities tell us as mediated by them, the New York Times. This is a sign that you're losing losing uh, the audience when you have to remind people to pay attention. That's precisely the cunning of reason that's going on here. And that's why they're getting more and more extreme in their demands for censorship. They want censorship so that everybody has to pay attention to the New York Times because nobody's doing it anymore. And, and this call for censorship is, I think, also a symptom of the decline of a decadent uh, empire that's really on its last legs. And uh, that empire is now actually being questioned from within. Here's USA Today in the next slide pointing out that a reckoning is near for America's vast overseas military empire of something like eight or 900 bases, uh, maybe three or 400 of which are, are really serious bases all over the world. No other country has anything remotely like this. China has one base in Djibouti. You know, Russia has a, a couple, I guess, somewhere. And uh, so can we still afford this? Should America have ever become an empire when we were founded by people who were rabidly against empires in, in general and the British empire in particular? Maybe not. So this was a very interesting article, very critical about this insanely expensive empire that's destroying uh, America from within. The money we're paying to maintain these bases all over the world and yes. the rest of our military posture is is wrecking America. No infrastructure left. Uh, we're falling apart from within. And, and it was interesting to see the mainstream admitting this in this USA Today article. Yes. And I'd like to ask a question of our Iranian friends, okay? Why did you put your country right in the middle of all these American military bases? Why did you do something that stupid? <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's, uh, well, and, and of course, the, the real issue there is will the, the, for, the really evil forces in the region, which are allied with the U.S., Saudi Arabia and Israel, for example, uh, continue to have much larger footprints than they should because of all that U.S. support. And of course, they're lobbying to keep that U.S. support going and propping up the genocidal regime in Tel Aviv and the uh, equally genocidal regime in Riyadh. Uh, but it's even though we were getting uh, some interesting discussion of uh, empire uh, declining and whether we sh it's a good idea to maintain it here in the mainstream, overall, as the empire declines, we're seeing less and less of a First Amendment protected free speech environment here in the U.S. So we can't have an honest conversation about this, which we should be having. Everybody should be talking about this USA Today article on YouTube, and they should be able to say anything they want. 
But if they happen to say the wrong thing, maybe they mentioned something about COVID that doesn't sound like exactly what Bill Gates or Anthony Fauci have said, then boom, you get scrubbed. This is insane. And so let's get, move to our censorship stories. Here is the White House uh, calling on the uh, social media giants, aka the oligarchical monopolies, to quote unquote suppress vaccine misinformation and quote unquote clamp down on chatter that deviates from officially distributed COVID-19 information. Chatter. So there's only one official line, like in, in Stalinist Russia or Maoist China, and deviation, even in the form of chatter, is going to be illegal. Now, when the White House is telling uh, monopoly media to do this, isn't this a blatant violation of the First Amendment, Mike? Well, of course it is. But we, but what we're, what we're seeing here is uh, the demise of government. So... Well, government is the entity that makes the rules. What we're seeing now is that all the important rules about commerce, let's say, now because of uh, the computer and the internet, are being made by non-governmental entities. Well, if you're if you're the one who makes the rules, you're the government. And so what you're seeing is the power shifted to these non-governmental agencies. And so the, the, the White House is an appendage of these government agencies because when it comes to the Internet, they have more power than the government. So uh, fortunately, uh, Poland woke up to this fact. And Poland just passed a law in which they said uh, the only basis for deplatforming will be the laws of the country of Poland. In other words, if you don't break a law of this, the state, then you cannot be deplatformed. If they do deplatform, you have a right to sue them. That's the type of thing. That's the type of reassertion of government power that has to take place across the world. Okay. Now, empires are notorious for doing the exact opposite because the empire does not, never, never, ever represents the people of the country where the empire originates. It always if, uh, uh, it, it always represents the interest of the elite who administer the empire. That is true, true of Rome, true of today. It's why Ben Franklin, when he was asked what type of government he said, he said, it's a republic if you can keep it. Okay, because the temptation always when you get powerful is to become an empire. And that, as St. Augustine said, is the antithesis of the republic. And that's what we have now. Yeah, we have a dictatorship of unelected oligarchs who've appointed themselves uh, with the all-powerful ability to completely uh, regulate any kind of conversation in what is now the de facto public square. Uh, and, and people are pushing back. Uh, Children's Health Defense has filed a lawsuit against Facebook. I hope there will be a lot more lawsuits. Right. And those people consider the people of their own country the enemy. The people who are the non-oligarchs in their own country are the enemy, and the oligarchs in other countries are their allies. So there's a natural affinity between the Chinese oligarchs and the uh, American oligarchs. They like that face recognition software and so on and so forth. The same thing happened uh, a century ago, more than a century ago in the United States, when the uh, then oligarchs in the United States, the WASP elite, suddenly decided they had more in common with English aristocrats than they had with their own people. Andrew Jackson would have been appalled by this idea, but that's what happened. It's called the Great Rapprochement. And uh, the, the net result was an impecunious, debt-ridden, syphilitic English aristocrats like the Randolph Churchill came over looking for rich American wives. And Winston Churchill was born out of that, and uh, you know the rest is history. This is always what happens when you have an empire. The elites are at war with their own people, and they're allied with oligarchs in other other parts of the world. And these internet oligarch elites now are really clamping down on the people who are quote unquote chattering, uh, talking about things that are apparently not allowed by the WHO, I guess. Uh, last week, our False Flag Weekly News show was censored by YouTube. They took it down, gave the platforms a strike, and they claim that the reason, which actually they didn't tell us what the reason was at first, but then uh, later we saw the reason was so-called medical misinformation. My best guess is that the part that they didn't like was the story uh, about questioning the 
uh, mRNA vaccines on the basis of, of the fact, as reported in mainstream sources and uh, from mainstream scientific sources, that the antibodies to, that people will develop from these mRNA vaccines are in fact different and identifiable as opposed to the uh, antibodies from the natural virus. I think that's true. I, I, I don't know enough about microbiology to be 100% sure that that's true. And I urge viewers to research this for themselves and for everything else we say relating to any kind of science or any other fact-finding methodology, research it for yourself. Don't just believe what we say. We're not giving medical advice here. And taking us down for supposedly giving medical misinformation when we're not giving anybody any medical advice whatsoever, we're doing political commentary, is really uh, offensive and disgusting. And we're still waiting to see whether YouTube will reverse itself and admit it made a mistake. What do you think? Will it? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, because they, they are in power now. There's no there's no pushback from anybody. Uh, but it's and it's not about you, Kevin. I know you're disappointed to hear this. But it, it's about a, a $15 an hour guy or a bot uh, censoring uh, doctors uh, with medical degrees and experience who have uh, doubts about this whole thing. That's what it really comes down to. Well, why are they allowed to do this? Well, because they have power. And, and, and why do they have power? Because the government has pr provided no opposition to their takeover because they are... Uh, the, both the government and big tech are controlled by the same group of oligarchs. So there you have it. We're back at square one once again here. And and uh, we have no recourse, you know, uh, because before you could say, well, vote them out of office. Well, nobody voted them into office. And now voting them out of office, that's problematic as well, because we're not secure. We're not so sure about the security of the election anymore. So that's the situation we're in. Well, this unholy alliance between government and corporations, which some would say is the definition of fascism, has utterly shredded the First Amendment here. And the fact is, it's not really about, you know, they cl claim it's medical misinformation, but obviously there's no medical advice going on at all. So what's really at stake? Well, it's, it's politics, and they don't like our political viewpoint. And that's admitted now by the Democratic members of Congress who just sent letters to the presidents of Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, Cox, Dish, and other cable and satellite companies telling them to stop carrying Fox News, One American News Network, and Newsmax, or ch pressure them to change their coverage, apparently to make it more fa favorable to they themselves, the Democratic Congress members. Uh, this is utterly bizarre. And once again, uh, they can't hide behind this notion that it's a private company doing the censoring when it's members of Congress who are pressuring the private companies to censor. Yeah. No, the part the part of the problem here is the whole idea of private property and the whole idea of conservatism as the defender of private property. First of all, you're dealing with uh, Locke's definition of private property, which is basically unlimited. So if you have uh, the property, Locke was a, a stooge of the uh, Whig oligarchs of his day, and all those Whig oligarchs became rich because they stole the property of the Catholic Church during the Reformation. And so he had to come up with a theory of property that would justify theft, and this is an absolute theory of property, which is basically if you have it, you can do whatever you want with it. Well, this is not, this was never the traditional understanding. You know, and and it, it it had caused problems in America from the beginning, uh, especially when there's a new technology like the railroad. Does the fact that you own the railroad give you the right to charge whatever the traffic will bear? Well, we had to fight to say, no, what well, the railroad's a utility, and you can't just victimize these people because you own the railroad. We have to do the same thing now with the internet. It's a utility. Yes. It's there for the common good, and it has to be regulated in the interest of the common good and not being a, a tool of oligarchic oppression. Absolutely. Uh, oligarchs are in the government, and they're in the private sector, and they're both, they go back and forth. And that's the whole point of, of regulatory capture. You know, FDA, FDA officials came from Monsanto, and Monsanto back and forth, I don't know who it is now, but I mean, big pharma, back and forth, back and forth, but it's always oligarchs and no one ever represents the rights of the people or or protect the people against medical malfeasance, uh, fake vaccines that probably the side effects are going to be more problematic than the disease they're hoping to cure. We need protection from these people. We sure do. And if they shut us off from banking uh, because they don't like our political opinions, um, 
and, and even they, they shut off alternative platforms from banking, then where are people going to go to express their opinions? And that's what happened with Gab. Gab is a free speech platform. And like many of these other startup free speech platforms like Parler, it has tended to cater to the uh, censored uh, Trump demographic that's been basically kicked off of all of the mainstream platforms. But now the banks are refusing to handle financial transactions for Gab. So we're not very far from the mark of the beast when you won't be able to buy and sell anymore because they don't like your political views. No, that's 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 tyranny. Okay, and and the fact of the matter, if if it were, it, what about interstate commerce? We have all sorts of rules protecting interstate commerce. Well, now wait, oh wait a minute, that's all gone down the drain because we're not defining uh, the computer uh, internet as interstate commerce because we have people in power. I'm talking the Obama administration put this rule into effect that you could use, use the banks to go after. They they didn't like gun manufacturers, but now it's expanded to anybody they don't like. They can use all of these things that are supposed to be like a neutral marketplace to foster commerce. They can turn them into weapons. And that's tyranny. There's no other word for it. Totally. Well, we'll finish here at the censorship section with some good news which is that net neutrality is coming back. And here's one where Trump was on the wrong side, the Democrats are on the right side. But unfortunately, it's uh, less important than platform viewpoint neutrality. And that's where these oligarchs are crushing first the First Amendment and free speech. Uh, so we, we hope net neutrality, which is the doctrine that all internet traffic should be on the same level. You shouldn't allow rich oligarchs, for example, to buy up bandwidth and then send their messages faster than everybody else's. Uh, and the Democrats are actually standing up for that. So how do you uh, see the contradiction between the side that's doing most of the censorship also being the side that supports net neutrality? I talked to somebody from Silicon Valley, and he said the whole net neutrality thing is is just a bogus issue. That it's really, who, who are like Comcast, all these providers are trying to get back. It's a turf battle between them and the other, the other tech giants. I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of uh, hope in something like this. Okay, well, moving on to occupied Palestine and occupied Canada, specifically occupied Toronto, the Jewish Defense League, which is classified as a terrorist group by the FBI after it's firebombed and burned uh, places and given death threats uh, here in the United States, it's legal in Canada. And so they are uh, threatening and vandalizing this uh, food vendors restaurant in Toronto for food vendors supports Palestine. They had put out a Zionist not welcome hashtag. And so now not only is the terrorist Jewish Defense League trying to shut them down through terrorism, but it looks like the Canadian government is going to go along with this or the local government or some some government in, in Canada here is going to shut down food vendors for not supporting the genocide of Palestine. That's interesting how governments team up with terrorists sometimes. Yes. Uh, and the question is, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this issue? Because what you're dealing with is the magic term anti-Semitism. Anytime that term gets raised, anyone it gets used against is automatically guilty of uh, the offense, no matter uh, what defense they tried to make. Uh, we have a situation now where the Congress is uh, going to uh, uh, codify the International Holocaust Remembrance Association's definition of anti-Semitism, which is their definition is a certain perception, a completely subjective view, uh, which will allow uh, you to be thrown in jail if you disagree with a Jew. That's that's the situation. This is something, again, we need to go government to defend the people against these powerful private operators who can tyrannize all of us, uh, terrorize all of us by simply applying a label to us. So I have a, and my antidote is first of all do never never talk about anti-Semitism. It's pointless to discuss this because it's a certain perception, and I can't argue with your perception. I have no idea what your perception is. You may have taken LSD for all I know. But the question I have to raise in response to this is: It a sin to criticize a Jew? Because I'm a religious person, and I don't want to commit a sin. Uh, now, either the answer is either yes or no. If the answer is yes, then explain to me how uh, Jesus Christ could criticize Jews and how Moses could criticize Jews. 
and we're supposed to hold these figures up. If the answer is no, it's not a symbol, then don't bother me, please. Because if it's just polite people don't say that, I know that already, but you have no right to impose your version of mismanners mis on me for trivial instances. So it's one or the other. And people should be allowed to have restaurants and political views at the same time. Um, so here, here's a story that I would warn the ADL censors who are watching the show right now, do not take LSD and read this story at the same time. You might have a bad reaction. Uh, I published this at Veterans Today. Um, it's a sort of, you know, it's, at one level, it's a parody of the Jerry Falwell uh, rant that America is being punished because of its uh, its gays and its uh, this and its that. Well, um, we're seeing horrific disasters here in the United States today, right? Uh, 500,000 dead of COVID. Uh, Texas goes down under the polar vortex and on and on and on. Why is America being punished, Mr. Jerry Falwell? Uh, maybe it's because we are contributing to the genocide of Jesus's people, the Palestinians. Pal the Palestinians 2,000 years ago were mostly of the Jewish religion, and over time they've converted, and now they're mostly either Muslim or Christian. There's still a few Palestinian Jews. Those Palestinians are now being exterminated by Europeans. Sabbatay and Frankist Satanists from across the seas invaded Palestine and are exterminating the original inhabitants who are Jesus's people, the descendants of Jesus's family, including his brothers and his sisters. Um, exterminating Jesus's people seems to me to be a pretty terrible sin. So maybe God is punishing America for that. So that was my uh, article. And again, the ADL censors who are watching this on acid are probably uh, going through the roof. Yes. Well, that's what they said. Uh, they accused uh, Yasser Arafat of being an anti-Semite. He said, no, I'm a Semite. Uh, unlike uh, the, uh, the Jews, the Polish Jews who came uh, from Europe uh, to colonize this place, who were not, who were not Semites. So you got to, this is, there is this whole racial thing involved here. There's this, all this type of stuff that you're not supposed to talk about. But it comes down to there's this kind of uh, it, it's racism. Racism is OK when I use it. But it's, uh, you can't uh, call yourself that if I don't let you do this. It's all all this convoluted stuff that needs some type of clarification. And, and yeah. it's not going to lead to that clarification. Indeed, it won't. Well, you know, speaking of divine punishment, the uh, great Hebrew prophets might wonder what Israel is inviting itself <laughs> for, setting itself up for with uh, Purim, the holiday devoted to Queen Esther infiltrating the Persian court and uh, sneakily uh, kind of tricking the king uh, who she was whoring for into um, into slaughtering 75,000 Persians. I mean, this is actually what the holiday, holiday celebrates, supposedly. But now Jericho Vincent, a rabbinical student who teaches classes in transgender queer Torah, uh, is, says that actually Purim celebrates Esther's passing, right? The same way that she passed as Persian. And so now, you know, the gays pass as non-gay. And then it's also about coming out of the closet. And so I guess the Jews and the gays are coming out of the closet or something. So that's what some of these people now are celebrating on Purim. But uh, I'm sure there are some Orthodox Jews in Israel who are uh, wondering if God is going to be striking them down. Uh, what do you make of all this, Mike? Well, uh, you, you, this is kind of blowback here. Okay, so you, you, you the, the Jews are always a minority in any country where they live. They promote moral subversion because it weakens the majority. But moral subversion is like, uh, you know, poison gas. Uh, if the wind turns around, you pour, you gas your own people. So, so Mike, Mike let, me, let, me, let me interrupt for a moment and question whether uh, the Orthodox Jews necessarily are pushing moral subversion for anybody else all the time. I don't know. I mean, Naturae Carta obviously isn't. I'm talking and about the group of people, the dominant group of people, which are the revolutionary Jews. Okay. Obviously, there are groups of Jews that just want to be left alone and live by themselves in peace and try and follow their obsolete covenant uh, to the best of their ability. Rabbi David Weiss, we, we met him in Tehran, one of these people. I said then, if all Jews were like Rabbi David Weiss, we wouldn't have a problem. But that is not the dominant strain of Jewish identity throughout human history, beginning with the uh, crucifixion. It's the Jewish revolutionary spirit that spreads things like uh, gay marriage, 
Okay, gay marriage was, Joe Biden said this, remember? Thank the Jews for creating gay marriage. Uh, and they were a little bit embarrassed by that. Amy Dean said it in Tikkun Magazine. This is the standard idea of the revolutionary spirit. And they promote this moral subversion, but it's like, as I said, it's like poison gas. And it blows back on the people that are promoting it. And suddenly you've got all these homosexual Jews. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's what happens. And for details, people can read your book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, which uh, it's very highly recommended, interesting, and people who disagree with you should read it to find out what it is that they're disagreeing with. Right, right. Uh, and there's, a, there's an analog here, too. Just to, uh, the, there was a letter that the head of the Rockefeller Institute wrote to John D. Rockefeller saying, basically, I'm not happy with Planned Parenthood. Okay, we're not, we don't want people to have smaller families. We want certain people and we want us to have big families. And so I don't, there was a classic example of the blowback that I'm talking to. The Protestant elites start promoting contraception. And it turns out the first people to show up to get birth control are the Protestant elite, which defeated the whole point of this, which is they wanted more children. Everybody should be like the Rockefellers and have at least five children, except for people like Catholics and Negroes, and they shouldn't have any children at all. That was blowback again. Yeah, that's interesting how, how the, the big family Rockefellers are the world's first pushers of population reduction. Uh, so getting, getting on to more uh, moral subversion news or gender studies news, I guess. Um, how about doctors who say asking patients their pronouns uh, helps us treat them unless they shut down? Hi, Tom, I'm a medical student. I use he, him pronouns. Do you mind telling me your name and pronouns? Uh, <laughs> does that alienate people who don't have the faintest idea what the heck you're talking about? I would think so. You would think so, wouldn't you? So the point here is uh, to Dr. Tom, uh, do you want to treat the patient or do you want to score brownie points with the mass media to foster your career? You, or you have to make this decision. And what we're seeing is the pollution, the ideological pollution of medicine that is having serious consequences in terms of treatment. We, this has been going on for decades now. Uh, MCAT is not a good idea in terms of uh, selecting doctors. Okay, doctors, uh, an appendicitis is something that doctors discern by touching your abdomen. You can't touch anyone's abdomen taking the MCAT. And so as a result, these doctors become insurance agents. Uh, the classic instance being uh, uh, the lady shows up at the clinic, got severe abdominal pain, uh, and they say, okay, we're going to schedule you for a CAT scan. Uh, first one available is next week, and the city's 50 miles away. And guess what happened? The lady died of an appendicitis because the doctor wouldn't touch her abdomen. That's an ex a concrete example of what happens when you politicize medicine in this way. Well, there's also the depopulation agenda issue. That is, this uh, all, all this kind of uh, messing with gender that we're hearing about today that's so big in the propaganda of the folks in power uh, is happening at a time when males are being demasculinized, demasculized, I don't know how you say it. Anyway, uh, male infertility is uh, going bonkers. The fertility rate has dropped over 50% between 1960 and 2016, according to Shana Swan's new book, uh, and she is a PhD for fertility scientist and expert on the issue. Uh, sperm counts in Western countries have fallen about 60% since 1973. Uh, and if you project the curve forward, she says it reaches zero in 2045. Well, hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. I can hear Bill Gates cheering in the background. Yeah. And and so what, what's doing this? Uh, phalophates. Uh, that's interesting uh, that it's, it sounds like phallus, but it apparently has the opposite effect. Uh, phallothates are endocrine disruptors and they're chemicals that are put in plastic, shampoos, cosmetics, furniture, flavor retardants, personal care products, pesticides, canned foods, and even receipts. So why are we surrounded with these things and why have they utterly destroyed uh, human fertility and masculinity? Well, Kevin Galloway in his book, Killing Us Softly, the Global Depopulation Agenda, says it's deliberate. 
He says after World War II, the oligarchs got together and said population growth is going to lead to more world wars as uh, sovereign nations keep fighting for resources. We're going to have to do things differently. And they have, starting with poisoning the West and pushing things like the one-child policy in China and the sterilization of rural women in India and spreading uh, diseases and uh, anti-fertility uh, medical programs in Africa and so on and so forth, that this has all been deliberate. And so we've all been poisoned. And so that this gender madness that's broken out may be a symptom of mass poisoning. Your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I think that, th that that's true. And nothing's thus, this, the era right after World War II was dominated by John D. Rockefeller III, who finally succeeded in 1965 by getting Lyndon Johnson to say that population growth was a, the biggest threat facing the, the world at that point. He, and then and then uh, Paul Early came out with his book in 1968, uh, The Population Bomb. India was going to starve to death in the 1970s. This was a, a steady drumbeat, and and uh, it, it, it became more and more sophisticated. So you had basically the, the abusive population control programs in India in the 70s that where, you know, we'll give you a transistor radio if you let us do a vasectomy on you, and we'll don't tell you what that is. That led to the murder of Indira Gandhi, the fall of Indira Gandhi. Everyone who promoted that died. Anwar Sadat, uh, 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 the Marcuses in the Philippines, they were all protégés of the Rockefellers. But it all became more sophisticated. And the next step uh, in this trajectory was African AIDS. That's very close to the COVID thing because it's, they created a pandemic that was completely fictitious. That was completely fictitious. They made it up completely. I was there in Africa, talk when it, when it was being uh, held. The, uh, the, the, we we're all gonna die of African AIDS. I'm in Nairobi, cool and the gang shows up uh, to give a free concert. Well, it's not quite free because they have to show a condom to get in. This was the new population control and AIDS was the vehicle. In other words, disease was the thing that was going to coerce you into changing, uh, negating your fertility. This is COVID uh, grew out of that, out of that type of mentality. Scare the people to death as a, for, as a way of controlling and modifying their behavior. Well, you know, the, the idea that elites would intentionally terrorize people to modify their behavior for political purposes is something we're not supposed to talk about, but we all know it's happened many times. Uh, Pearl Harbor is a classic example, as well as the 9-11 New Pearl Harbor. And right. interestingly, this week, Jonathan Turley, a mainstream uh, constitutional lawyer uh, and, and off-cited expert, is now coming out, I think, as a closet 9-11 truther and a not-quite-so-closeted Pearl Harbor truther, as he calls the Capitol insurrection a new, or should we say, a new, new Pearl Harbor. Uh, and he says, his history may show that as a, due to a lack of preparation, the Capitol riot indeed was a new Pearl Harbor. Um, obviously, the, the rioters, so-called, were basically escorted inside. And he's not really pointing fingers, but he says that Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund and Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger were being blamed for this, when in fact it was the higher-ups who ordered them to do it, are the modern equivalents of Admiral Husband Kimmel and Lieutenant General Walter Short, who are the patsies at Pearl Harbor, which was deliberately engineered by way of an eight-point plan by Roosevelt and uh, people in his administration to massively uh, psyop the American people who were running at 80% plus anti-war. And with the Pearl Harbor attack, which was engineered from Washington and London, the American people were brainwashed into supporting entry into World War II. Something similar just happened at the Capitol, according not to some marginal conspiracy theorist, but to Jonathan Turley. Yes, it's never let a crisis go to waste. The rehearsal for this happened in Berlin a few weeks earlier with the COVID, uh, a COVID demonstration where uh, some of the people broke off and invaded the Bundestag. I'm, I'm saying you can't invade the Capitol. You can't invade the Bundestag unless they let you in. And the proof of that was what did the Capitol look like when they didn't want you to get in? Well, you couldn't get through those fences. And you have videos now of the, the Capitol guards removing the barriers to let the people in. So it was obvious that someone let it happen so that they could turn this into a, 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 a way to demonize people who showed up thinking they had the, uh, the right to assemble, to public assembly uh, for, the, for their grievances.
And so we'll go through these uh, stories related to the Capitol insurrection news very quickly uh, because we're running a little behind. Uh, So Brian Sicknick, the Capitol police officer who became the iconic death, uh, we were told by the New York Times and others he was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Turns out that was fake news. That was New York Times fake news. There was no fire extinguisher. It's still confusing what may or may not have happened to him, but even the mainstream admits that the original story that pushed through the whole uh, scare about the evil rioters beating somebody to death uh, it was a lie. So the rioters didn't cause any deaths, uh, directly anyway. And then in the next slide, we have the FBI uh, admitting that they were warned about a war against Congress in advance, and they didn't do anything. This is why Turley is calling this whole thing a new Pearl Harbor. And in the next slide, uh, we now learn that the FBI is investigating members of Congress. They are suspects, but which ones? Uh, is it Pelosi and other Democrats who may actually have welcomed demonizing Trump supporters through this whole thing? Or is it people like Josh Hawley who got caught up in it? And then more scapegoats. Uh, how about Roger Stone and Alex Jones, who are now being investigated as well? And NBC News is is lying and saying Jones is a right wing conspiracy theorist known for claiming that the Sandy Hook shooting didn't happen. Well, actually, he didn't quite claim that, and he's better known for a lot of things, including 9-11 Truth. I'm not a big Alex Jones fan, but uh, I'm not a fan of the mainstream fake news either. So will, will, will we expose this capital New Pearl Harbor in time to change the direction of the country, Mike? Yes, we're already doing it. How long did it take before the uh, Pearl Harbor story got traction, the real Pearl Harbor story? It took decades. This is, day, this is days. Okay, so we're, they're they're playing catch up. It's not working, and then there are all other unanswered questions. Like, what about that lady that got murdered? Uh, who killed her? Why is there no investigation here? Why don't we have? I mean, remember when nine eleven happened and that passport just wafted down into the hands of the police? We knew within minutes the identity of all the people who were engaged in the hijacking. Why don't we know who killed this killed this lady? And then there's fake news. There is fake news going out there. Obviously, some black guy was accused of killing her. You can see the guy who shot her. He's, he looks Hispanic to me. I mean, I, he could be Middle uh, uh, Middle Eastern. It could be something. But he's not black. I can tell by looking at him. What, what is the story here? Now, the other hand is, this is part, someone getting murdered is always part of a color revolution. That's what happened in 2009. I forget the lady's name, Nada, somebody or other, a, a, a story in Tehran, what happened there. It's also what happened in uh, the Ukraine during that uh, color revolution where someone opened fire on the crowd and people died. And then it's immediately blamed on the government and saying that, therefore, this is the reason to overthrow the government. The same thing happened here, except that they blame Trump. He's going to put on trial as if he orchestrated the murder of the of these people or something like that. It's all trumped up. Uh, but as it were. <laughs> the point is, how long does it take to figure that out? Well, we're really getting quicker at it, aren't we? It, it seems that way. And, and, and speaking of uh, Trump taking the blame, uh, let's move on to our, our pandemic stories here. Uh, 500,000 deaths from COVID in the United States, the flags flying at half staff all week. Um, and this story from NPR admits that the death count in the U.S. far exceeds that of other countries, a fact health experts attribute to the scattered patchwork pandemic response from the Trump administration. Well, that may have been part of it, but uh, the reason that India has practically no discernible COVID, it's nobody, it's 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 having a very minor impact on India, despite all kinds of contacts happening and so on. It's not really because Modi is any better than Trump was, or the response in India is any better than the U.S. And there are many other countries, you know, formerly third world countries, that are almost untouched by COVID, certainly compared to the U.S. And their leadership is not that much more competent than U.S. leadership, to say the least. So I don't think that blaming Trump is the whole story, but that's the story that they're they're telling us at NPR. Yes. Well, there are countries who are not touched at all. Tanzania is a country that uh, Magafuli uh, did the COVID test on a goat and the goat tested positive and then he tested a mango and the mango tested positive and then he started to have doubts about the test. So he banned it. And now it turns out that the main antidote to COVID in Tanzania is Swahili. Because most people speak Swahili, and in order really? to understand, yeah, this is a very a fact. Who Jambo Mwalimu? Nina Toka Bangi? Jamba. See, I, I speak Swahili, so I, that hopefully that'll protect me. You didn't get COVID either, did you? 
<laughs> no, that's true. Boy, good thing I took that one semester of Swahili back in college. <laughs> so let's move on to some more COVID stories. Uh, the Chinese media is, is telling us who, where did COVID come from? Who made COVID? Investigate Fort Detrick, Maryland, U.S. Germ Warfare Lab. And uh, it, this is, of course, totally suppressed in the U.S. media, but the Chinese media and the Chinese internet has far more you know, users than the American internet does. And there's a billion people now screaming for the heads of the people at Fort Detrick, Fort Detrick, who apparently were responsible for the leak of COVID, deliberate or not, according to Chinese, the Chinese government, Chinese media, and Chinese people on the Chinese internet. And you aren't allowed to hear that unless you watch False Flag Weekly News. Yeah, what about Harvard? What about Harvard's connection with China? Just when the COVID uh, virus was breaking out, a professor of medicine at Harvard was arrested for trafficking with the Chinese, for sending vials, uh, got put vials of something or other in his socks and got on, this is a Chinese graduate student. It turns out, oh, wait, he's also in the Chinese army too. And oh, by the way, we're paying this Harvard professor $50,000 a month under the table to sell these uh, biological warfare uh, weapons. This is the man who invented the wire, the micro wire that allows you to do gene modification. Why aren't we hearing more about this guy? Why aren't we here? Why, why, where did that story go? That story just disappeared. A whole lot of these stories have disappeared, including the one that's stressed in this article from the Chinese media, which points out that in August 2019, they had to shut down Fort Detrick for all kinds of violations and uh, possible uh, issues around airborne pathogens. So uh, that's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on. And then maybe the uh, American media will report this. Or on the other hand, maybe we'll all be censored for even mentioning it. But a billion people or a billion and a half people in China know all about it. So I think censoring it is kind of pointless at this point. Anyway, um, how about the best thing that ever happened to Biden was COVID? That's what Anita Dunn, uh, who's the mastermind behind Biden's approach to Trump, according to The Atlantic Magazine, said. She says uh, Biden, uh, Lucky Joe, that's the name of the book, actually, that just came out, uh, how Joe Biden, Lucky Joe, or Lucky, how Joe Biden barely won the presidency. COVID was the best thing that ever happened to Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, the strategy, one of the main purposes of the COVID pandemic was to deny Donald Trump re-election. That's obvious. That's obvious. The whole mail-in ballot uh, debacle, uh, where suddenly in the three o'clock in the morning, 100,000 votes get cast for Joe Biden and none for uh, Donald Trump, was all predicated on COVID and the fact that you it would be taking your life in your hands if you went to the polls. So let's have mail-in ballots. So it was obvious. That was part of the strategy. So Biden uh, got to the White House uh, thanks to COVID. And I think that is probably true because the economy was doing very well and a strong economy very likely would have uh, pushed Trump into a second term. So I think this is all pretty accurate. Uh, well, Biden's in power now uh, thanks to COVID and he's about to mail out millions of masks, uh, possibly to all Americans. Our producer, Alan Reese here at No Lies Radio, thinks that Trump should have uh, mailed out uh, the super duper N95 masks to everybody right away. And that could have put a dent in COVID. Uh, Biden's mailing out masks. We don't know what kind of masks he'll be mailing out. Probably not N95s because they're still in short supply after a whole year. Uh, that's kind of inexplicable. Um, in any case, are you looking forward to getting a mask in the mail, Mike? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. You, may, you better not say any more about it or we'll be banned from YouTube. Oh, here's another one that could get us banned. Ivermectin. Is ivermectin an effective COVID-19 treatment? We are posing the question. We are not giving medical advice, people. Do, if you want medical advice, go talk to your doctor. However, if you want to see a comparison of meta-studies or a meta-analysis of, of studies, all the studies that they could find that have been done, uh, not only ivermectin, but also these various other uh, things that have been, you know, attempted COVID remedies, uh, various things like vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine and so on and so forth, um, that in, including the uh, more uh, mainstream popular ones, uh, feel free to visit this website, IVM meta.com. And according to the uh, this long list of studies cited on this website, it appears that ivermectin compares quite favorably to the various other treatment options. Um, so that's not medical advice. That's pointing out that there's a website where you can go and look at this data from studies, including, in this case, 21 randomized controlled trials 
that came out 100% positive with an average estimated reduction of the bad COVID symptoms of 70%. Again, that's not medical advice. That's what this says. If it's wrong, somebody please email me at uh, truthjihad at gmail.com and explain to me what is wrong with this list of mainstream uh, peer-reviewed studies that shows this. Well, wait a minute, Kevin. Who's practicing medicine without a license here? <laughs> it, no, I'm not. I'm not, Mike. I'm wait. simply mentioning that people can go and use critical thinking to look at medical studies that have been done. That's what they trained me to do when I was in graduate school in various areas. I was in humanities and were trained to research things in I, science as well as uh, humanities. I said, who is practicing Oh, medicine? there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you were. I said, who is? It seems to me that the $15 an hour guy at uh, Google or YouTube is practicing medicine without a license because he's denying people the right to talk about these things and in effect prescribing a treatment. They're prescribing the vaccine. It's obvious that they are prescribing that vaccine and they're blocking out any other alternatives. You're only allowed to get the vaccine. That's practicing medicine without a license. Well, people should definitely check out this website and just look at look at the. It's a really good comparison of various kinds of studies, both the randomized controlled ones that the mainstream uh, says are the best ones, and then other kinds of studies as well, which some argue are are also of great value. And look at all of these treatment options and compare the the, the rel relative efficacy according to all of these studies. But of course, the New York Times tells us we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do our own research and we're not supposed to use critical thinking anymore. We're supposed to believe whatever the New York Times tells us. Well, I don't agree with that, but I am going to go ahead and uh, put a gun to my head and read a, uh, a disclaimer here. I'm now officially been, I've been taken hostage by the censors. And so I have to read this disclaimer. In our next slide, we see uh, the great story here from CJ Hopkins. And uh, I'm going to read the beginning of this story with a gun to my head uh, in hopes it will prevent us from being censored. So good news, folks. It appears that Globocop's genetic modification division has come up with a miracle vaccine for COVID. It's an absolutely safe, non-experimental messenger RNA vaccine that teaches your cells to produce protein that triggers an immune response, just like your body's immune system response, only better because it's made by corporations. Okay. Do you think that'll save us from being censored? You're at the mercy of people who have no uh, uh, need to explain why they do what they do. That's tyranny. Totally. And speaking of tyranny, it's been creeping up on us for a long time. How about the new Attorney General Merrick Garland? This is jumping back. To, we should have probably done this, these stories after the Capitol attack stories. Merrick Garland, in his confirmation hearings, vowed to do everything he can to crush domestic terrorism, just like we did after the Oklahoma City bombing. Wait a minute. Look at the next slide. The Oklahoma City bombing is one of the most obvious false flags in history. Anybody who doesn't know that doesn't know that the brave Oklahoma City police officer Terrence Yeeke was tortured to death because he was going to blow the whistle on it, and other murders were also used to uh, kill people who could have exposed this. Bombs were taken, many unexploded bombs were taken out of the building on live TV that day, and the whole thing was totally covered up, and the guy who presided over this cover-up was then U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland, and now he's the guy who's going to crush the 70 million people who voted for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump, but I'm not too happy about Merrick Garland waging another war on domestic terrorism. Yeah, I'd like to bring up our, our friends in Iran. Press TV uh, did a show on the the um, head of the United Nations saying that white supremacy is the biggest threat to uh, uh, the world right now. This is uh, this is preposterous, and it's the type of demonization that is going on across the board right now. They're trying to demonize uh, half, 75 million people. And the, prob the problem here is that the, the press TV took it at face value. And the, I'm saying, no, they made it up. There's no, there's no threat here. This is the oligarch trying to demonize the people that they want to destroy. And uh, I, I got incomprehension when I'm talking to so even Even in Iran, they're, they're internalizing the commands of their oppressors. Well, you know, of course, the African-American people have been among the oppressed. The Mustazafin, as, as the uh, Iranians say, that's a Quranic term for the oppressed. And uh, let's go over some of that for Black History Month. We're towards the end of Black History Month. 
we just got a huge revelation uh, and the mainstream almost completely ignored it. Malcolm X's family just released a letter from a police officer showing the NYPD and the FBI conspired to murder Malcolm X. This was Raymond Wood, a former undercover NYPD officer who confessed before he died that uh, he had participated in this uh, police and FBI plot to murder Dr. Uh, not Dr. Uh, to murder Malcolm X. And so once again, uh, surely someone would confess on their deathbed. Well, Howard Hunt confessed to the CIA killing. He was part of the team that killed JFK for the CIA. He confessed on his deathbed. Rolling Stone even published it and nobody noticed. And likewise, nobody's noticing this either. Once again, the conspiracy theorists were right and have been proven right, but nobody gets to hear about it. Well, the new film out about the uh, Black Panthers in Chicago. Uh, about the FBI agent that got inserted there. Uh, this is standard practice uh, uh, in the FBI. They're always creating agent provocateurs that go in. Uh, this guy, uh, Bobby Beal, I think his name was, uh, shows up. He's real black, okay, so he must be one of us. And so he starts buying guns. He calls the cop, puts uh, phenobarbital in their, their Kool-Aid, walks out, and they all get, well, they get killed. Well, mm -hmm. why? Subsidize it. Why is this uh, common practice among a government agency? Shouldn't this be termed uh, domestic terrorism? This this type of thing is. Are, are we going to have some type of discussion of the role of the FBI and what they do and their methods? Because they're still doing it. They turned one guy. Apparently, uh, at the Capitol uh, demonstration, they turned one guy who's now going to inform on the other people because he'll get a lighter sentence. They do this all the time. Yeah, the, the FBI uh, includes some good people at the lower levels, I'm told. But there's a problem of corruption going up to the top where they cover up the crimes of the deep state and perpetrate some of those crimes themselves. Well, uh, I guess since the days of Malcolm X, African-Americans have uh, risen to positions of prominence in our universities, none more so than Cornell West at Harvard. But now um, the Zionists think he's still working on their plantation, apparently, uh, because he's going to be denied tenure because of his pro-Palestinian stance. And incidentally, he is a closet 9-11 truther. He came to our Muslim rally for 9-11 truth at the Capitol back uh, seven or eight years ago and gave a good speech. He's, he's a, he's, he knows all about 9-11, knows it was an inside job, blown up, towers blown up. He's totally he, hip to all of that. I talked to him. Uh, and so I admire this guy, although I wish he would talk a little more loudly about 9-11. And uh, the Zionists, of course, are coming for his scalp and denying him tenure. So it's become a fight over at Harvard. Yes, and it just brings up again the question of race. Are you really black? Can you be black and uh, criticize uh, Israel? Well, no. You lose your black privilege as soon as you do something like that, and that's what he had to find out. Black and white are categories of the mind. They are political categories that get imposed for purposes of control. As soon as you go away from the narrative, you're not black, uh, and and uh, you don't have black privilege anymore. Okay, and then our, th our third uh, hero of uh, Black History Month is uh, Nkrumah of Ghana, who tried to unite Africa and was overthrown by a CIA coup, which of course was denied at the time, and now it's been declassified. So John Stockwell, uh, who the ex-CIA officer who exposed this was right. Once again, the conspiracy theorists were right, and Nkrumah, the greatest uh, visionary African leader of his generation, was destroyed by the CIA before he could unite Africa. If he had lived, uh, perhaps Africa would be united, peaceful, and prosperous today, but uh, if you do something like this or like Gaddafi did, trying to bring in uh, pan-African currency, you're going to be overthrown and you're going to be lucky if you escape with your life. Yeah, I think it was his roommate who betrayed him. He went, uh, and Kuma went to, went to Lincoln University, I think it was, one of these traditionally black universities. And, uh, and uh, the roommate then showed up there and was working for the CIA and uh, betrayed him. So that's this tragic story. Uh, the uh, Patrice Lumumba uh, in in the Congo. It's one story after another. This was kind of faux faux independence. Uh, you give put a black puppet in uh, to allow the uh, mining interest to come in and strip your country of its resources, and you become the richest man in the world 
which is what Mobutu Sisi Seku was when he was still alive because he allowed these people in. Any black leader who represented, any African leader who represented the interest of his people, uh, own people was targeted. And that's true to this day. Just check out uh, Rwanda and, and Tanzania for examples of that. And that's, of course, why the U.S. government murdered Malcolm X and also murdered Dr. Martin Luther King, because both of them were uniting uh, black people and other uh, Americans and people around the world to support the liberation struggles of these people in places like Africa. That's precisely why they were murdered. And we don't hear much of that today in all of the mainstream propaganda about Black History Month. It's, um, also, it's also the reason the Jews turned on Marcus Garvey. W.E.B. Dubois was the lawyer, the uh, guy, the point man for the uh, the uh, uh, what's the uh, the NAACP. OK, the NAACP was to, to created uh, to destroy black nationalists like Marcus Garvey. For, fortunately, they didn't kill him, but it was the, the purpose was the same. OK, well, let's move on to some crazy conspiracy theories to end our show. First one, which actually is pretty crazy, is a racist conspiracy theory that white snow turns black. When you try to melt it, instead of melting it, it turns black. This is the stupidest conspiracy theory I've ever seen. And I've seen lots of true ones and lots of stupid ones. This is a stupid one. What can I say? <laughs> and then let's move to finally uh, the far out uh, theories about UFOs. Just this week, we had another UFO sighting as flight 2292 over northeastern New Mexico radioed at 1 p.m. Central and said that there was a UFO flying right over them at extremely high speed. And American Airlines won't comment. They say you need to reach out to the FBI. Uh, does the FBI now deal with uh, extraterrestrial encounters, Mike? I think that there, anytime some serious challenge comes up, there will be a, a parody to discredit it. And uh, like geocentrism is perfectly rational. Uh, and a friend of mine uh, came up with a book explaining the rationality of it. Uh, but suddenly we're talking about flat earth. No, flat earth is completely preposterous. And it's to distract you from the fact that geocentrism is not uh uh, preposterous. That is the function of all of these crazy stories. They, they are, are, are float an obviously crazy conspiracy theory to discredit the fact that, hey, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is reality. This is reality that we're talking about here. That's the way it works. Okay, well, we'll have to slightly differ on that. I, I think the snowflake theory is completely nuts. UFOs, I don't know. Something weird is going on, uh, but I'm not sure what it is. Maybe demonic infestation in some cases anyway, uh, but we'll have to pick that up on another talk because we hit the end of False Flag Weekly News for this week, and God willing, we'll be back next week, and we won't be too horribly censored. Thank you so much, Dr. E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars. Love your work. Keep it up. God bless, and, and see you all next time. Thank you, Kevin.